Hebrews chapter 5, picking up with where we left off, just a few verses left in, verse, uh, in uh, chapter 5, uh, picking it up with verse 11. It's actually, let me, for instruction, let me read verse 10, even though we covered verse 10 last week, because I want you to see the sharp turn, and it almost, uh, if, you, if you're reading the Bible and you're new to the faith, you'd say, I don't know that this even makes a whole lot of sense. What, what happened here? What did I miss? Uh, what's this left-hand turn that the writer takes? But let's pick it up with verse 10, which we covered last week. Called by God as high priest. Now, who is this? This is called, talking about Jesus himself. Called by God as high priest according, according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11. All right, so that's that, that last verse, Jesus, Melchizedek, picking it up with verse 11. Of whom we have much to say. Okay, then say on. And hard to explain. Hmm, sometimes scripture is hard to explain. He goes on. Since you've become dull of hearing. Oh, ouch. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use um, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's pray. Father, we just bow before you again. We want to not just be hearers of your word, but doers. And Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, help us to hear by the Spirit what it is that you want to say and you want to share with us. And Lord, may we receive it with humility and grace and obedience and application. It's in Jesus' name, righteous name we pray. Amen. Now, if you were here last week, you saw in verses 1 through 10, and I just read verse 10 uh, just as a point of reference, where the writer of Hebrews, he was laying out both the historical and the doctrinal background of the Levitical priesthood, and where Jesus, of the eternal order of Melchizedek, remember uh, Melchizedek was before, uh, before the nation of Israel was established, before Abraham even had Isaac, and Jesus and Melchizedek, neither were of the tribe of what? Levi, neither were of the tribe of Levi, which was the Aaronic priesthood that God had given but Jesus comes and he fulfills that role of high priest in a way that no other high priest ever could, ever would, or ever will. A couple of reasons for that. Jesus had his humanity, his simultaneous divinity, his sinless, perf his sinless perfection, but that he also had the suffering and the death and the shed blood and the resurrection. And like Melchizedek, Jesus is appointed as both king and priest to preside over the very same city of what? Jerusalem. It was called Salem in the days of Melchizedek. But also Jesus presides over the church. He presides over Israel. He presides over us and all the saints for all eternity. And then we have here in verse 11, right smack in the middle of explaining these wonderful truths, these ancient truths, these 
complex truths because no one's ever heard anyone start teaching about Melchizedek and Jesus and the priesthood, and they're all like, whoa, this is heavy stuff. This is deep. And the writer, again, whether it was Paul or someone else we don't know, he takes a pause. And more than a pause, I'd call it a sharp pivot, wouldn't you? More than just a pause, it's a pivot here. He shifts gears away from Christ and away from his priestly role, though he indicates he doesn't want to stop talking about that. He wants to actually go a little deeper, but he gets the sense that his audience needs a wake-up call. Hmm. He's like, I'm writing along. The Holy Spirit says, stop, insert a turn of a uh, kind of a change of what we're focusing on. It would be like a parent saying in the middle of an important discussion, suddenly saying, on a different topic that just popped into my mind. I've been meaning to say this for weeks. Kids love when parents do this, right? <laughs> I've put it off too long, but this needs to be said kind of thing. Or a pastor in the middle of a message say, I'm going to stop right here, and I might start stepping on toes. That's basically what the writer's doing here. And just because we can hear doesn't mean we're hearing. Just because we can hear does not mean we're actually hearing. Jesus said often, he that has ears, let him hear. Well, everyone has ears. Well, not everybody, but most people have ears. And, and, and he's saying, just because you have ears doesn't mean you're actually listening where? At the heart level. It's not sinking down. It's going in one ear and the proverbial out the other. Look back at verse 11. We have much to say, hard to explain, but you become dull of hearing. The writer said, I, let me paraphrase, I want to teach some more important truths. I want to go deeper on these difficult things, but right now y'all don't want to hear it. Right now you're not ready for it. You're, you're not really, eh, we're, we're good with where we're at. Remember the children of Israel? Moses, you go up the hill. We're, we're fine right here. You go up the mountain. We're, we're good right where we're at. And the fact that uh, you don't really want to listen, the writer's saying, the fact that you don't want to listen needs to be addressed. The fact that you're okay with just kind of staying where you're at needs to be addressed. The fact that you're okay with plateauing. And then in verse 12, he gets down to business. But it's all for one reason to spur our needed growth. God doesn't chasten us because he doesn't love us. Quite the opposite, amen? amen. He chastens us because he loves us. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this stunted or steady growth. Stunted or steady growth. And the first thing I want to look at with you this morning is what I've titled spiritual disinterest. When a person truly and genuinely gets saved, they'll have this new spirit-given desire for the things of the spirit and truth and a desire for nourishment and a desire from the scriptures that was never there before. Again, I, I despised the idea of being in a church on a Sunday morning when I could have been playing volleyball or surfing when I was in college. And then I got saved and I was like, I can't wait to go worship today. It just was given by the Lord. Adam, how many of you remember when you first came to Christ? The desire to learn and absorb is implanted by the Spirit. Yes, it has to be cultivated, but a spiritual hunger is there. Just as a newborn 
baby is ingrained the desire to drink mother's milk, which, by the way, we can't find anything more nourishing than that even to this day. But it's just ingrained, isn't it? God's put it there. It's reasonable to wonder if someone has really been saved if from day one there's never a desire at all for them to grow or to get into the Word. That's a reasonable... This is odd. It'd be like you having a baby that does not want to eat at all. Would you take the baby to the doctor? Yes, you would say something's fundamentally wrong here. Doctor, they don't want to eat. And a Christian that is a Christian that does not want to eat and grow, there's something fundamentally wrong. That's what, this, that's what the writer's saying. Um, there's no, if there's no desire to sit under the word, to listen to it, and to start to read it, there's something fundamentally wrong. But as a child grows, they move from milk and then they move to what we know in America as Gerber's baby food, right? <laughs> they move from milk to foods that's been mashed into uh, some, uh, it kind of looks like applesauce, but even thinner, right? You know you've tried it, adults. You know yeah. you've, you know you've said, I want to know what these peas taste I just got to know. <laughs> or some of them are like, I don't want to know what that tastes like. It's dark. Could be a vegetable, you know. Squash should not look like that, you know. But you remember these days. Uh, for some of you are saying, days? I did this two hours ago. That's why we were late today. You know, I was like, trying, to get it, trying to get it in their mouth. Uh, it wasn't just years ago for some of you. That's why it was such a rush. But you move from milk, and then you move to baby foods, and the parents sneaking a bite of the peaches because it actually tastes pretty good, and uh, then to Cheerios. How did the world get by for the first 6,000 years without those little things? You know, uh, they spread them out on the tray and, and then the Cheerios. And then, then you start grinding up your own vegetables and grinding up your own meat till they graduate to their own Chick-fil-A nugget, their own <laughs> nugget. Just suck on that for a while. You know, just, uh, and they don't really they didn't gnaw on it. They just kind of gum it a little bit. And uh, so you, they move uh, to meat, which, by the way, uh, they want to move to meat, you know, got... Pastor Ken Graves up in Bangor, Maine, said, if God did not intend us to eat meat, why did he make animals taste like steak? You know, so it's a, it's a fair question that we're intended to someday get to meat. But don't dare introduce sugar because this will become their balanced diet. Uh, they'll be good with this. The, the good humor truck, just back it into the, into the driveway and they'll be okay with that. Um, you know, they, they will want this uh, ice cream. Once they taste ice cream, applesauce is out the door. Right, right. Forget applesauce. Ice cream tastes 10 times better. But the steps are to be a healthy progression of food, isn't it? A healthy progression. We as adults need to exercise this. We can't just teach it. We've got to do it ourselves. But uh, after a while, if all you ate, if, all, if you left it up to a kid, they would love junk food nonstop. Their teeth would rot. Right. It's bad for their health, diabetes, all these different things, bad for the mind. Uh, I'm not saying that all sugar is bad, but if, if this is your 100% diet, yeah. something's, it's really a problem. You can't be nourished on this. And yet, uh, this is what happens, not only uh, metaphorically, but uh, spiritually speaking, people start to just want junk, air. 
cotton candy. Is there ever a more nothing food than cotton candy? You know, just whipped into air. And yet it has a lot of calories and all that stuff. But it's just nothing, there's nothing for you other than your taste buds enjoy it. Don't tell my family. My wife and daughters love cotton candy. So uh, all things in moderation, folks. You can go have your cotton candy at the squirrels game, but you can't live on it, right? Right, right, right. It can't be the way you live. It can't be your diet. There's got to be nourishment. There's got to be something else. And the writer's saying, you, you're not really, you're disinterested in the actual nourishment. You, you don't want the deeper things of Melchizedek and Jesus. You actually want cotton candy. And we have a problem here. You, your body will decay just like your teeth will decay on that kind of diet. You need to sit under the Word of God. You need to digest the Word of God. You need to be in the Word of God. And the same thing happens in our spiritual realm and walk if we're, if we're just kind of, uh, oh, we're not interested in anything of nutritional value. The, create, the new creation has that initial desire for milk, but it has to graduate beyond that. And by the way, uh, milk is the initial thing, but how many of you still like milk as an adult? Now, you're not drinking the same milk you did as a baby. It's not baby formula, but milk doesn't go away. You add to it. The milk foundation of our faith never goes away. You need to keep drinking the basics of the faith forever. So keep drinking milk, but you add to milk broccoli pork chops. I'll stop there. I don't want to get you too hungry right now. But, you know, you add to it these other things. But then instead of taking those healthy steps of more nutritional depth and teaching of Christ, uh, the worthless junk of the world, you neglect these things, and it becomes just more and more appealing. Oh, those things are they're easy. There's nothing easier than prepackaged foods, is there? Oreos come right off the sleeve. Everything's ready. It's already ready. There's nothing to do. You don't have to get a knife out. You don't have to get a fork out. You don't have to use the microwave. Nothing. They're ready to go. They can last in the desert for 10,000 years and they'll taste the same. A little taste and soon it becomes your whole appetite. No interest in the word. No interest in growing. No interest in deepening. Jesus warned in the parable of the sower. He remembers there are four kinds of soil. He said one of them, they actually at first really loved the things of God, but then the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. This is a metaphor for America, isn't it? The cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke it all out. He said it's a bad situation when it gets choked out. They're not ready to meet their God face to face because it's all been choked out. But choking doesn't usually happen immediately, does it? I know because I have to weed my yard all the time. It doesn't happen overnight. Just take a year off. And day by day, week by week, crabgrass takes over, uh, second, all these different things they take over. But if you stay on top of it, it's amazing. The grass wins. And in your life, the spiritual will win out if you continue to say, I'm going to weed out these things that are just, they'll decay me. And stay focused on the things that are going to nourish me. It's a slow creep. And you know, it's possible, and the writer of Hebrews is expressing it here, that you can be losing interest in the things of God. Listen, don't miss this point. It is possible here this morning that you can be losing interest in the things of God right now. 
losing interest in his word, losing interest in getting insights and revelation, and not even realize that you're currently fading. That's what the writer's saying. He goes, you guys aren't even aware of this. You're not even aware you're dull of hearing. You didn't know you need a hearing aid, so to speak. My wife's been telling me I need one for years. I said, I just don't listen to you. That's, a, that's all. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I actually probably do at least in one. But, but you may not even be aware that you're fading, and the Holy Spirit says you're fading. You're drifting. You might say, but I'm still reading. I'm still going to church. The Holy Spirit says, but are you growing? Well, that's a different question, isn't it? You can go without growing. Are your roots going deeper, are you or are you becoming more shallow? Is the word bringing more faith? I talked about, I don't easily take steps of faith. I don't know about you. I tremble when I take them, but uh, I say, Lord, just help me take a baby step. Keep taking those steps. And some of you, a big step might be come tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. I've never done something like that. Maybe God's saying right now, you need to do something like that. Do something you would never want to do. Go completely against your flesh. I guarantee you when you get to heaven, you will not have to say, I'm sorry I went to that 6.30 prayer meeting. You will apologize for some things, but you will not have to apologize for that. Amen. He'll say, that was the start of you taking steps I've been asking you to take for weeks, months, years, whatever. But God sees the drift, the fading interest, and he loves you and me enough to prod us out of it. Amen? He loves us enough to cattle prod us out of this. And we need it. This is needed for the believers in the first century, and it's needed for us. We need to be spurred. Do you believe you need to be spurred? Yes. I know I do. Do you have people in your life, hear this out, do you have people in your life, actively in your life, do you have people that are actively in your life, you have to actually build enough relationships with believers, and especially those that are more mature than you, do you have people in your life that are active in your life that push you further than you want to go? Yes. I'm not talking about, oh, no, I, I tell a lot of people a lot of good things. I'm talking about who is, who is, who is pushing you? I just mentioned, you know, Sam. He's a guy that pushes me. We just took our fifth mission trip um, this week. The team's down there. A couple years ago, I had taken zero. I have three or four pastors that pushed me and said, you need to go. I didn't want to do it. They pushed me further than I wanted to go. I've had people in my life that pushed me. Pastor Randy, for like three years, was like, you need to go full-time. like, I don't want to go full-time. I'll make a lot less money. This happened. I didn't tell him all this. These thoughts came in my head. I don't want to go full They pushed me further than I wanted to go in that respect. I have other pastors in my life that push me in ways. Who's pushing you further than you want to go? The writer of Hebrews is pushing that. The reader said, I want you to go a little further. I'm not talking about books or people on the radio or podcasts. I'm talking about people that you actually physically can be in the present. Hopefully, I can be one of them for you, but there you need to have other people in your life that are pushing you, that are iron sharpening iron. Say, you can do more than that. You can take that step. They'll put an arm around you and say, God's got this. You just need to do it. Either by example or exhortation, Peers are pastoral. They're encouraging you to take steps that the Word of God is already telling us to take. Amen? Amen. Many in this room, just like in the text, many in this room ought to be teachers by now. That got quiet. <laughs> many ought to be teachers by now. By the way, this, is not, this phrase is not teachers in the pastoral realm. It's not saying many of you should be pastors. 
Not many are called to be pastors. You, you, trust me, uh, you want to know you're called to do that. Do not even attempt it unless you're called to do it. It's like uh, don't, don't, don't go do parachuting unless you've been really trained. But what it is to say is many of you should be making disciples by now. That's what it's all saying. Many of you should be teaching others to walk out their faith. You should be able to come alongside, grab a Bible and a cup of coffee with someone and say, let me help you grow in your walk. If you've never done that, we'll say, well, no one's ever done it with me. Both cases need to happen. Say, I, I need someone to do that with me so I can be doing that with someone else. He's saying, but it's going to take intentionality. I've said before, your Bible will not levitate off your you know, nightstand and come and <laughs> present itself to you. And you have to say, I want to be discipled so I can disciple. But due neglect, they weren't growing themselves, so therefore they had very little interest in helping others grow. Isn't that sad? Two more things we want to take a look at in our time. Spiritual disinterest leads to what? Spiritual neglect. First, you're disinterested in something. You know, you first, you have to become not interested to neglect it. There might have been a time and say, man, I used to love to read the Word of God. I could just read the Word of God. I loved just the Word. And then eh, my favorite show came out. And I can binge watch it forever. And it just soothes my soul. <laughs> now, we know how goofy that sounds, right? We know it doesn't soothe our soul, and yet we... We all fall for this trap again and again and again, don't we? Even me. I don't binge watch a certain show, but for me it might be. There, my wife can tell you when we first got saved, I could watch football from sunup to sundown. And then the Lord delivered me. You know, he's like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. For, you're never going to get the peace from that that you think you're going to get. But God said, I want you to develop an interest in me. Develop an interest in the Word. The Holy Spirit should implant the initial like, spark, but we got to fan that flame a little bit. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, that disinterest leads to neglect. If you said, I, I used to be really inter interested in my spouse, but now I'm not so interested in my spouse. I have more interest in hunting or crafting or whatever it is you like to do, then that disinterest will lead to neglect, and that neglect will lead to divorce. And down the steps and down the slopes it goes. Well, if we don't have a genuine interest in growing in our relationship with Jesus and in growing spiritually and in learning the Word of God, we can be certain we'll soon neglect. Look back at the text. For though by now many of you ought to be teachers, someone needs to teach you again. In other words, you knew these things and they faded from memory. And now you've come to need milk again. You can't eat a chicken nugget. Now you've got to go back to the bottle. Not the liquor bottle, but back to the baby <laughs> bottle. Don't go back to that one. But uh, for everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word. He said, you should be skilled by now. You should be leading someone in the state. Hey, hey, let me take you through the book of John. You should be able to do that. You should desire to do that. But you should be doing it with your kids. All of us should be doing that with our, if you have kids and are still in the home. We can be certain if we start to neglect Jesus, we'll neglect his word. And the neglect of the word of God is the, is the neglect of every other part of our walk with Christ. Did you hear me on that? The neglect of the Word of God, it will be the neglect of every other part of your life. Mark it down, it happens every single time. One of Jesus' names is what? The Word of God. That's his name. It's not his only name, but it's one of his names. 
So the logical question might be, is Jesus himself the word of God, or does he teach us and feed us the word of God? You, you know this answer, church. Yes. Is he the word of God, or does he feed us the word of God? Yes. He's a yes and an amen. That's one of his names, too. He's yes and amen. Um, so we need the word of God. The neglect of the word of God um, to neglect the word of God is also to neglect Christ. To neglect the word of God is to neglect Christ. You need to come to church to worship. You need to fellowship. You need encouragement from others. But nothing replaces the word of God in our lives because the word of God brings about a prayer life. You'll never have a prayer life outside the word of God, not, not one that is functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, hearing from God, deepening in all of the different ways that God wants to change us and shape us and mold us. All of that begins with the Word of God. Prayer is usually us talking to God, and the Word of God is Him speaking to us. Amen. Job 23, 12 says, I have not departed from the commandment of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. It's one of the reasons why we're fasting for a couple of days. That we, we kind of, Lord, don't give me the necessary food. Give me the eternal food the manna that comes down from heaven. And part of that is prayer, and part of that is the word of God. And um, my desire, again, I'm going to keep drinking spiritual milk the rest of my life, but I want to grow in all the other spiritual food groups that God wants me to grow in, and he wants you to grow in. We not only need to read the word of God, and here's how you grow. With, you say, well, um, once you get past steak, what is there? Well, Scripture says that actually not only we learn doctrine, we meditate on it for the rest of your life. See, what happens with the Word of God, did you know that it can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper? There's no end to the depth of God. Say, well, I, you know, remember, that I reached the end of the Internet. Remember that one? You'll never reach the end of the wisdom of God. So he wants to continue to have us go deeper. So we need to read the Word of God but meditate on it, Psalm 1, and to continue to grow as students of the Word of God. As 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Why? Why are we to study? Why are we to continue to grow in our both desire and the application of the Word of God that we're ready for the spiritual depth of what the Spirit desires to teach us? You don't map out your road for life. God does. Amen. I don't map out my, I trust me, I would have mapped a different path than I'm on, but God said, no, this is the path, and you're going to need this amount of the word to take the next steps, places you've never gone before, things you've never done. The Lord will, he desires to impact your inner man and inner woman from the scriptures anointed by the Holy Spirit. Why? To fight greater battles, to see greater victories, to be transformed in the image of Christ, and to impact others. See, the Word always has a personal work and an external work. Did you know that? The Word wants to work in you. Those of you that went to the marriage conference, and I think seven couples were up at Fredericksburg yesterday. You went to the marriage conference. I know Troy, Pastor Troy well enough. I guarantee that this was brought out, that part of your marriage is to actually influence the world for Christ. But the other part is to nourish yourself. So God wants to nourish us through the Word, but that we actually, oh, because of the Word, I now care about single moms. 
Because of the world, I actually care about people on drugs. Because of the world, I actually care about people that are being sex trafficked. Because of the world, uh, the word, I want to be like Jesus and bring healing and restoration and salvation. The word will do that. Is your reading now becoming studying? And is your studying becoming meditation on the word? And is your meditation on the word becoming applying of the word? And is your applying of the word becoming transformed by the word? And is your transformation by the word becoming the sharing of the word? Are all of those things happening as God couples and links them together in your walk? Charles Spurgeon, pastor there in London, said, the, the prayerful study of the word is not only a means of instruction, but an act of devotion wherein the transforming power of grace that is often exercised, changing us into the image of whom the word is a mirror. Once you have the mirror in front of you, God keeps showing you, all right, that's out of place, that's out of place. I want to do a deeper work there. And we see these things taking place. You see, he, where he says, you ought to be teachers by now, but you come to need milk again. Teachers are always students. Amen. Great teachers are great students. And be praying for our teachers as they go back to school next week. And we got some school teachers right here in this church. And, and we, we love that they're a light in the public schools. And be praying for them. But a great teacher is a great student. In the spiritual walk, students of the Word of God are sitting at the feet of Christ. They're led and transformed by the work of Christ. I love the Chinese proverb that he who teaches learns. But again, in the context here, who, who disciples becomes a, more of a disciple, right? We become more of a disciple as we're transformed. We, you know, it's hard, you know, when you, I'm going to meet this person, I'm going to disciple them for the first time. And then you're showing them in John, you're like, and the Spirit says, you'll do that. Then you need to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we need to do that, right? That's what happens. Conforming us for the, to, to the image of Christ for the multiplication of the body of Christ. Again, many should be students that are, uh, that many would be then teaching and discipling. I was on a conference call uh, earlier this week, actually with Pastor Mark and two other pastors. I'll be sharing at a men's conference in the fall. And the whole theme of the thing, and I hope all of our men are able to go, uh, is called Disciple. Be one to make one. Be one to make one. That's the whole function of the Jesus that I've sent you out two by two, that you'd multiply. We'd multiply. And it's a blessing when I see people. You know, right now, while we're here, Patrick's leading a team down in Central America. He's grown a lot. I, lo I love this guy. He's grown so much. And, you know, Mark and Randy were at, were at a hospital witnessing to an unsaved uh, young man on Friday uh, while I was working on this single miles project and two other guys were working on something else and uh, Claude and Brian will be working on that project. And so when you actually see when more people grow in their faith and they take those steps, we actually can help a whole lot more people. Amen. 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 It's amazing what a bunch of small things become a big thing, you know? A bunch of small things. I follow a, 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 an account on Twitter called Twitter Philanthropy. It's amazing. 400, uh, 400, it's over 500,000 now are on it. But, you know, 500,000 people give a dollar uh, a month or a dollar a week. 
um, or even just a, or even just a dollar a month. If 500,000 people give a dollar a month times 12 months, you're talking like $6 million. I'm talking the aggregate of when many people become, now think about that, that was just a math thing, but when many believers all become disciples and one teaches one, the multiplication happens and God says, look, you're trying to change the nation through elections, you need to change it through the gospel and the word of God, amen? Amen. That, Jesus, that will work every time. Last thing. Come to a close here with spiritual wisdom. Do you want spiritual wisdom in your life? You can't have it without the Word of God. You can't have it without God saying, I'm going to take you a little further. How many of you want your kids to actually get smarter and wiser and, and, and you know, you, you, can, you know, if they said to you, this is basically what we're saying to God when we say, I don't want to go deeper. I want to stay drinking the bottle of milk. I'm not interested in anything else. It would be like your kids saying, now I grew up in the 70s, and we were into things called cartoons. So it would be like your five-year-old saying to you, "Um, I've made a decision. I don't need to go to school this year. I'm going to major in cartoons all day, and I'm really good at it. Just make sure I've got the foods I like right here, and actually for the next 12 years, I don't need to go to school it's really, really bothersome homework and all that stuff. So I don't need to dig a little deeper. But isn't that what we're telling God? Oh, we don't say it. We just say nothing as if saying nothing isn't saying something. And yet God says, I already read your mind. What you were saying is you want to just watch cartoons all day, spiritually speaking. And God says, I've called you to go a little deeper. Why? Because your neighbor needs to know me. Because your coworker needs to know me. Because the person at church that's lonely, that no one's ever asked them, would, would you let me disciple you? They, they were, they've been praying, crying to God, would somebody come alongside them? Maybe, they might be sitting right beside you right now in this church. But disinterest and neglect is not only unwise, but it leads to spiritual erosion. Self-deception and left unresolved, destructive. Look what it says in verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. They've matured and said, Lord, you saved me for a purpose, and it's not to watch cartoons all day. You've saved me for a purpose. We need adults to be adults. We need teens to be teens. We need college kids to be college, and we need Christians to be Christians. Amen? Amen. That is those who, by reason of use, you've got to exercise. You've know, you got to use your muscles by reason of use. Have their senses exercised. You know, when you, start, when you start taking steps of faith, you actually gain faith. So how am I going to gain faith? Just take steps towards the right direction. So the first step of faith you can take, like tomorrow morning, would be set your alarm clock. Would be to open the Bible. Would be to say, even though I'm going to be on, I am going to turn off the radio and pray at 630, even though I'm on the interstate. Those will be your first step. But they're tiny. Despise not the day of small things, the Bible says. Don't despise little things. Take small steps, become big steps. And so this is the, this is the point. Jesus, remember when uh, the parable of the wise version, the foolish versions, some had no oil. They never took the time to make sure there was oil in the lamp. And when the time came, they were not ready to meet Jesus. They weren't investing daily. They, they 
They, were try they had the exterior of the right picture, but they didn't have the exercise. They weren't really feeling it. Do you know how you feel oil in your life? In the word of God in prayer. That's how you do it. Say, Lord, I believe. If Jesus says it's important, you don't have to debate him about it. You just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. And he will bless it in our life. Um, don't forget, the writer of Hebrews already gave a warning back in chapter 2 where he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's that word neglect. But the wise thing to do is not to neglect. The wise thing to do is invest, right? You're in, you made an investment to be here this morning, didn't you? You had to shower yourself, dress yourself, drive yourself, feed yourself to come. But that was intention. You guys, all the other spiritual important things and priorities, especially the Word of God, require the same intentionality, the same diligence, the same exercise of use. The wisest thing we can do is to prioritize our life according to the commands of Scripture. The wisest thing we can do is to prioritize our life according to the commands of Scripture stay in the Scripture and grow in the Scripture and give the Scripture out. Amen? Amen? That is how it works. It's the only way also to daily discern. What he's saying here uh, where he says to discern both good and evil, did you know that most of the decisions, many thousands of decisions in your life are made in thousands of a second, and the closer you get to Jesus, you just start making God-like dis discernment again and again and again. By the way, I have forks in the road constantly that I say, Lord, I need to stop right now and open your word and get a verse. How many of you do that? I, I don't know what. Look, and they're, not, they're not even big, big decisions like, you know, I'll get called. Hey, we want you to do this. And I've got five other things competing for my time. Lord, which of the, they're, they're all important. Which one do you want me to do? To the word I go. To my knees I go. But then I have other things like you don't have time for that kind of. You actually are driving, and the Lord just says, take a left turn quick. Holy Spirit, speaking to us, giving us discernment. Everyone else is going to this movie. The Holy Spirit says, you can't. Why, Lord? You'll know when the reviews come out. And you didn't even have to be told about it. You just immediately know. You ever have that? The Lord just says, that. don't even think about it. That's the discernment of the Lord. The Lord's saying, I don't care if everybody else is doing it. They're, they're doing a lot of things. They're on the broad road. But you'll have the discernment. Well, I, I think I must send my kids away like everybody else does to this, that. And I'm not against these things. I'm just saying, be careful that you're not following a culture instead of following your Savior. Because he has a lot of wisdoms. And, no, no, I don't care. that They can do that. This is my plan for you. All these things, you'll be able to discern between the will of God and the path of the world. That's what he's saying. But if you're immature, you make a lot of immature decisions, and you make a lot of dumb decisions. Right, right, right. And the Holy Spirit will immediately say, you'll, you know, you'll be like, wow, that is a great deal. And God says, it's a great deal, really? When you have three of those already? <laughs> the Holy Spirit will speak that. How many have had the Spirit speak that fast to you? And no one else said it. It's just you, you immediately reminded yourself, hold on, I have three of these. Costco, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, that kind of thing. You know. I got Pentecostal there for a second. But God wants you to get deeper in the Word. 
promise you, you don't want to stand before Jesus at the end of the age. Even if you're saved, you don't want to stand before Jesus and say, I couldn't find time to go to a Bible study. I just couldn't find, I, I would love to, Lord. You do not, I promise you, even if you make it by the skin of your teeth, you do not want to face the Lord of the universe and say, I could not find the time to go to a men's Bible study or ladies' Bible study. I'm, being, I'm trying to reason with you here. Right, right, right. You do not want to have that convo. Mm -hmm. You don't. And he's saying, I don't want you to have that convo. That's why I sent the book writer Hebrews say, listen up. Get back where you need to be. Amen? Amen. Get back to where you need to be. I want to close because God wants you to flourish. And this coming week, even if you're not able to come to tomorrow's 6.30 in prayer or Tuesday's 12.30, and if you can't come to tomorrow or Tuesday, at least come to Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. But I want you to think about, um, we'll close here, Proverbs chapter 3. Just turn to it real quick. I'm going to read like a couple verses, and we're going, to, we're going to be done for today. Proverbs chapter 3. I would ask you to spend the next three days, no matter what you do in your personal study, this the Lord put on my heart for over a week, um, along with chapters like, um, I would say, Romans chapter 8, Ephesians chapter 6, Proverbs. Matter of fact, if you ever want to read Romans 8, Ephesians 6, and Proverbs 3 as a composite layer, it'll show you an amazing work of how the Spirit, the Word of God, and um, the Spirit, the Word of God, and prayer, how they all intersect. Did you hear me on that? The Spirit, the Word of God, and prayer. Ephesians 6, Romans chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 3. The chap Proverbs chapter 3 is an incredible blueprint, and I would encourage you to get out a pen and either mark in your Bible for the next three days, just read over it. Ten ver there's 35 verses in the chapter. Um, go through it the next three days. Even if you have another study, just, just add this supplemental, or it can be your devotion for the next three days. Eat whatever you want to do, whatever you feel led. Be it your devotion or supplement to what you're doing. But Proverbs 3 for the next three days, and see if you can see deeper things that you've never seen in Proverbs 3. It's got a lot of depth. You could study Proverbs 3 for the next 100 years and keep going deeper. I promise you, it's that, it's that much. But look, just look at the beginning. My son or daughter, if you're a lady, do not forget my law. That's how it starts. That's what? The Word of God. Do not forget the Word of God. Do not forget the Word of God. That's the opening statement. How can I forget it? I own one. Well, we can own one and not open it, right? Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace will they add to be. Who doesn't want peace? God's like, you're holding it in your hand. It's called the Word of God. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. This is our problem, isn't it? In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You want God leading you Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh. Some of you are going to see healing soon, I promise. I believe God is going to do this. And strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with the possessions. Ooh, here we go. Americans don't like this part, right? And with the first fruits of your increase. Right. They like this next part. So your barns will be filled with plenty. But it wouldn't be for yourself. It'd be to become a more generous giver. My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects what the writer of Hebrews was doing, correcting. They needed it. We need it. Just as the father of the son in whom he delights, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gained understanding. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the graciousness of your correction. 
I pray, Lord, even now, you've stirred by your spirit a hunger for your word that we didn't have when we walked in this room. But your word spoke of your word, and your spirit testified to each heart, this is truth. You need to invest. You need to wake up. You need to call upon me for that thirst and that desire again. And with your heads bowed, I just want to ask, if the Lord spoke to you that you need a deeper desire for the word, I want you to raise your hand. Just humble yourself and raise your hand. You need a deeper desire for the word. Keep your hand out. I want to pray with you. Lord, you see these hands. And maybe they're in your word, but right now it just seems like empty, dry. I pray even now you would honor their willingness to admit they need a deeper desire. And Lord, I pray that you'd meet that desire and that you would stir a new work in all of us. Bless these next couple days of prayer. Lord, do more than we could ask, think, or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand as we close in song?